welcome back to the Football Tribune podcast. My name is Thomas Dunning and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We also have Liam Doherty joining us on the podcast today. Hello, Liam. Hiya, how are you doing? Doing well. So, on today's podcast, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Rangers versus Celtic match. We will also be reacting to last weekend's English Premier League results, discussing the end of the transfer window, previewing Scotland's upcoming fixture, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Rangers versus Celtic match. So on Sunday, the 3rd of September, Celtic Rangers 1-0 in the first derby of the season. So this result now means that Celtic are four points clear ahead of Rangers in the league table. So Pierce, starting off with you, what is your reaction to last weekend's Celtic versus Rangers match? Well, it was the pressure was on both managers getting to the, the fixture with uh, obviously Celtic being knocked at the cup against Kamarnock and then obviously drawn a blank against St Johnson for the second week in a row. And obviously Michael Beale was obviously in the back of a hiding and away in away to PSV. Um so feeling the fourth of the Champions League and then obviously both managers feeling the pressure going into the game into the game. And obviously Celtic have got a number of key injuries to the, the midfield and the back line. So it was kinda it was all to, it was all to play for. I think a lot of fans were kinda what fifty fifty split like they were only too sure or only too confident of their team going to the fixture. And I think both both sides were probably at the weakest. Um but in terms of the, the match itself, I thought it was a really comfortable performance by uh, Celtic in the first half especially. Uh, I thought they dominated the play. I thought Rangers sat back a bit too much than you'd expect. Rangers to come out firing um and keep constantly putting the pressure on that that kind of inexperienced back line of Celtic. And they never really caused Celtic too many problems. Um, thought Cal McGregor was outstanding on the day, but his brilliant best. I think he dictated most of the the tempo of the game. Uh, and obviously Hugo were outstanding. Finished to beat a top class goalkeeper on Jack Butland. Um, but I felt Celtic thoroughly deserved it. Um, and obviously it's a massive, massive victory to get at Ibrox at the first old firm game of the season. So no, I think it's. Vital three points. I think Brendan Rodgers needed that um, to get the because I think the fans were getting a bit restless with uh, obviously the two the two two results the last couple of weeks. And also, I think most of the fan base will now be back on his side in terms of the Celtic pers- the Celtic persuasion. Um, and I think obviously Michael Beale is um, getting serious flag at the moment from following that result. And I think um, luckily for him, it's an international break that he can try and get on the training pitch and rectify um, the result. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about yourself, Liam? What's your reaction? Well, it was really weird getting into it. It's the weirdest feeling I've felt getting into it. Um, even as a spectator, I feel like a lot of Celtic fans were expecting a draw. Um, or should I say they would take a draw, they were saying. Um, a lot of Rangers fans I came across were expecting a good four or five They'll win. Um, I think that a lot of credit needs to go to Rodgers and Celtic, obviously. There's a lot of 
talk at the moment about the Rangers side of things because it's just the nature of these games. Whoever loses gets spoken about more, I feel. But Rogers and Celtic have come under a lot of uh, stick recently with, with the, the results. Um, but for me, you look at the first couple of games of the season and you know, they went and beat Ross County, scored four goals, beat Aberdeen, scored three goals, two good results, but performances themselves probably weren't all too good. There was players that never really looked like they knew what they were doing in the system. The, you know, everybody compares it to Ange, Foster Boglu system, but it's not going to be the same. And I feel like a lot of the, the Celtic fans never took that on board. They just thought Rodgers came in and disrupted what was there. But I think you've seen, even in the, the Kilmarnock game, the result was shocking, obviously. But watching that game, I could see a drastic improvement tactically. I think the, the players looked better in the shape. There was just no creativity going forward. Um, the, the St. Johnson game, I thought Celtic played really well. And you know, I've, I've not seen too many fans come out and say that because of the result. But you need to look beyond that when a manager's just come in. And I felt like the the team looked better, the shape, the tactics. They made maybe four, five, even six big chances and they just never took them. So going into the game, I wasn't really in the same mindset as a lot of people that it would be easy for Rangers. And I know both teams weren't in form, but it's probably no surprise that a lot of people expected Rangers to win. Um, in terms of the Rangers side, it, he's under a lot of pressure. Um, qualifying for the Champions League was goal number one and a victory in this, this game or a draw minimum. Was, was goal number two and he's not done any and you know I know he's just had a, a transfer window with his own players but he's been in, in the job almost a year now and I think that the whole point of getting players in is to enhance your system and to you know to what's the word I'm looking for to execute your tactics better but Generally speaking, you should still be able to see that style and you should have players there regardless of who you inherited that can that can play that system. The transfer window is just about getting the level of player in to, to make that better. And I think that a year down the line, there's a lot of Rangers fans that don't see the style. And I think that's where the problem comes in because, you know, Rodgers four games in, he was under pressure, but you know, a handful of games isn't going to get you under the same scrutiny as, as Bill's under. And that's the pause, in my opinion. He's been there for nearly a year. So it's, it's tough times for Rangers. And, you know, a lot of talk after the game has been about Celtic having injuries coming back in and new signings haven't even played yet. So we'll, we'll see how, how it goes after the international break. But Bill's definitely under a lot of pressure, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of two teams in transition, I think, I think a wee bit. You know, obviously Celtic got their injury problems. Uh, you know, they lost a few key players in the summer, obviously the manager as well. And it's kind of the same with Rangers, you know, it's kind of a new team. So I just felt like the game, you know, I think obviously for Celtic, it, it it's such a big boost for them because obviously these players, I think Rodgers mentioned that after the game, that these kind of, these new players needed that game to understand what it felt like playing for Celtic, you know, the size of the club and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that Celtic have went there, you know, missing key players and also they had no fans there as well you know I think that's going to do you know the players a world of confidence and um, you know I think it's 
Uh, I would only it's only very very early in the season, but I think it's a massive result for Celtic in terms of you know their confidence going forward. And then you know obviously Rangers Liam's explained you know there does seem to be a few issues there at the moment. Um. So I just want to touch on a big talking point that's came out of the match. Um, was Rangers to slow goal, which would have meant they would go one 0 up in the game. So uh, starting off, you Pierce. Do you think a goal should have stood? When I was watching it live, uh, I was I was baffled at how how um Lagerbeer went down claiming for a foul. Well, I just generally thought um uh, Cyril Dessers won the ball. And obviously when you do that as your last man defender, you're you're gonna create problems yourself. Um and obviously Rangers scored from it. And you, you think obviously with Devar, um it would have just kept the goal would have stood, but when you look back and you look at the different replays, you can see that he does slightly impede Lagerbielka when he tries to pass the ball back because he he puts his foot right in front of Lagerbielka's foot, and and I've seen decisions like given in Europe. I've seen it given against Rangers at Ibrox when Emery Cham is robbed by Manelos by the exact same movement. Um, so, by the letter of law, it is a foul. So, I think the referees came up with the correct decision in the end. And I think it was a very brave decision. Um, because, obviously, 50,000 um, supporters at Ibrox cheering and the reward of a free kick. It's quite a strange situation until they realised the, the, the outcome. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Liam? Do you think the goal should have stood? Um, I, I'm... I'm... You know, I really don't know what the debate is. It's a it's a foul. And you know, a lot of talk after the game is that, you know, by the letter of the law it's a foul, but I think it's soft, or I don't agree with the law, but the law's the law, so it's a foul. And we can debate whether laws should be laws, handball laws, whatever you want to talk about. And there's things I don't agree with in the game in terms of laws, but you know, you can't use that as an excuse as to why it wasn't a foul because it because it is. Um like Pierce mentioned against Dortmund, there's an example up at St. Mirren. Um, Rangers had as well. It was a similar incident, and both of them were, were given as fouls. Now that's, you know, in the Dortmund game in particular, that's a European referee that's gave that. So, the the chat in Scotland about referees, I understand. There's a lot of games where decisions, decisions, sorry, on the, on the right, on the correct. But if if you're looking at a European referee giving that as a foul, you can't say that it's the Scottish referees. Or the or the, the referee the weekend that's that's been incorrect because he's following you know a referee of that magnitude. Not that you no know, Scottish referees are any lower in that sense, but um, it's definitely a foul. And as well, I think a lot of the talk about Lagerbielka dilly dallying on the ball, which he does. But again, there's no need to mention that because you know what happens with with Lagerbielka, you know, being slow on the ball doesn't excuse the fact it's a foul. So. Um, I think if, if Dessers comes round the side more, puts his foot closer to the ball, he's he's in control there, then you know it's, it's not a foul. But you know, if I was to go and trip somebody up in the street, that's exactly what I would, you know, what I would do. There's that's that's what would happen. I would put my leg in front and the, the person would kick it and that's how they trip up. So it's a foul. I mean I mean I, I, to be honest, I am so fifty fifty with it. I just I think it's harsh. I really do. Like, you, you, you see the Celtic defender, he kicks uh, Dessers, you know, uh, 
And when I first saw it, I thought it, I, I didn't think I thought it would be a goal. I thought it would stand because seeing you see uh, the Celtic defender Lager Bielka as well, I mean he's not even complaining that you know he's not going to the ref saying or oh, like that's a foul. Like even Cal McGregor, you can see him in the shot. He's just annoyed that you know they can see the goal. No one really thought that there was a foul there, but I think it I think it comes under one of these kind of. VAR rules and it's like it's one of these ones where it can go either way I think um, it'd be interesting to see if that happened in the box say that happened um, in the Rangers uh, in the box and Dessers took the ball and he fell then uh, I think it would have been a Rangers penalty you know it's it, it's such a difficult one you know I can see both but, sides to it but, but even that there Tom like you said about you know, if it was in the box, would it be a penalty? And I think it was Chris Boyd saying, if Dessers goes down, would that still be giving us a, a foul? But it's all, it's all, you know, irrelevant because none of that happened. The, the foul happened where it happened. And I think that you say as well, Lager Bielka doesn't complain to the ref. You know, when the game continues before the, the goal happens, it, it doesn't. But after it, it, it does complain to the referee. So I just think there's a lot of noise surrounding, you know, it was dilly-dallying on the ball, if it, if it had been elsewhere, would it have been a foul? You know, and all the rest of it, but the fact of the matter is you need to look at that incident, and it's all about where the ball is, who's in control of the ball, so it's, it's a foul, I think, well, I yeah. know, because it's a law. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's soft, you know, I'll say it's, I think it's a very soft foul, you know, I think Celtic, I think Lagerbiel got, I think he got bit, pretty lucky about it, because he was you know, it, it kind of was indecisive with the ball. And, you know, I'll just say it's soft. You know, I can see both sides to the argument. You know, I'm still 50-50. I can't make my mind up about it. Um, but it's one that I think, you know, lots of people will have their, their points about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, they get ruled out. Um, so just after the match, um, many of the Rangers fans, um, they voiced their displeasure at manager Michael Greel. So there was lots of booze at the end. Um, so, Pierce, do you think Michael Beale is under pressure? I think he's under severe pressure. Um, Liam touched on it earlier. Um, when you watch his team play, you know, it, it doesn't seem to learn from his lessons. Like, you don't really see a style of play under under Michael Beale. And obviously, last season, like you say, Liam mentioned, he's nearly been in the job nearly a year. And he's only won one old firm game, and that was the game when the, the league was wrapped up last season when Celtic fielded a, a second string side, if you will. Um and obviously lost the two the two cup the cup cup semi-final and the cup final. Um so the the pressure's well and truly on and I think a lot of the fans are now starting to question <clears throat> the managerial tactics because obviously now he has got his own players in. And obviously I think one of the main talking points is obviously the six million pound signing of um Sir, uh, Daniel who's sitting on the bench. He's not even started the game for Rangers yet. And then you've got Sam Lammers, three and a half million on the bench as well. And literally the starting uh, Robbie Matondo, who was out in the cold, um, couldn't get a game last season. And then obviously Kamal Roof has been out for the best part of 16 months injured. Um, because Rangers fans feel as if he's like made a glass. Like he's always got some sort of niggling injury. Like he, he cannot rely on him. And obviously... He does score a goal with disallowed. Um, but I think the two the two two massive results getting put into the Champions League, which was one of the main aims for Rangers, 
and obviously losing to your greatest rivals at the first time of asking um, in Europe, and obviously just going four points behind this early in the season. But like you say, there's still 34 games to go. Um, and I feel as if like, he will get time, but the pressure's well until on. Um, I think after that national break, we've got uh, five games in 15 days. So that'll be a real test of uh, Michael Beale's uh, tenure at um, Rangers. Yeah. What about yourself, Liam? Do you think he's under pressure? I, I definitely think he's under pressure. Um, I think, you know, there's just a big mix-up in terms of what he's wanting to do, the players he's brought in. Um, I don't think sometimes he knows because he's trying to play with with three forwards, um, narrower than, than wide men. And I just think that the width comes for the fullbacks, but... There's some games like at the weekend where the fullbacks can't get up, they've not got any other width um, in the team, and that's because of the three forwards he's picked or, or signed to play. And you, you think about the the only winger right now you can think of that's in some sort of form, and it's Matondo. And you know, this is a guy that wouldn't surprise me if he was been, been free to let go away to a different club a number of weeks ago. And you know, he's been put into the team. The team and he started the two biggest games of the season for, for Rangers. So I just think that, you know, like I said earlier, if, when we take Ange Postacoglu, for example, I think he could deal with 11 amateur players and they would play the system that he's playing at Spurs. Now, I know that sounds stupid because the quality is going to be so different, but I think the system, the style is going to be the same. The only difference is the level of player and how they execute the style. So I think just now, Beals went out in the transfer window. He's brought players in that should be enhancing his style and they're all on the bench. So he's saying that the players there are good enough. You know, which makes me think if, if they were good enough in his style, then 12 months nearly later, there would be fans sitting there thinking, what is the style? So I think it is, it is a bit of a mess. But at the same time, I think if Rangers have stuck with him thus far and they're four games into the season, it's just a bit of a risk to change it. Because you know the favourites to win the the league cup, and there's still plenty of time to make ground back up Celtic, so it's a, it's a tricky one to, to try and look at. Yeah, yeah, I think the two big reasons for me it's it's style of play and it's recruitment. You know, it's it's quite obvious to see with Rangers at the moment that I think people are still trying to figure out what they're trying to do in terms of style of play. You know, no one really sees any kind of patterns of play. Um, you know. Uh, you know, and I think Michael Beale's still trying to figure that out, you know, what's the strongest way for Rangers to to win matches. Um and in recruitment as well, you know, it's you know, Michael Beale was heavily backed this summer. Um and you know the the signings, I think Rangers fans, I think the jury's still out with a lot of them at the moment. Um, you know, the fact that they're probably the star sign of the summer, which was Danilo. Uh, the fact that he's on the bench for the Champions League qualifying game and also the game the weekend against Celtic, I can't, I think, kind of says a lot about the fact that you know Michael Beal's just still still not sure about Danilo and the rest of his signings yet. And I think the biggest part of, about it is that the signings that they've made in the prime positions, you know, they're just not clinical. You know, they they, they have plenty of chances in the match, but they're just not taking them. Whereas when you look at Celtic, you know, although they're not over overcrowded with attacking players, you know, they've got one guy up front in Kyogo and, you know, he only needs one, two chances in a match and he'll take one of them. You know, so I think that just kinda of says it all. 
Um, so I do think he is under pressure, and I think you know he's going to have to quickly try and sort it out because you know we could be sitting here a month in a month's time, and you know Rangers are far away from the league from the league table, uh, top of the table, and yeah, it's I think after this international break, it's it's a really crucial kind of next couple of games for Michael Beal. Um, so we also had other Scottish teams um, played at the weekend and the final results for them were Kilmarnock 0, Ross County 1, Livingston 1, St Mirren 1, St Johnston 2, Dundee 2, Aberdeen 0, Hibs 2, Hearts 0, Murrowell 1. So Pierre, starting off with you, which match from these set of results stands out to you the most? I'm going to go Hearts now, Mother of One. Um, I think Mother have had a fantastic start this season. Um, joint top of the table with uh, Celtic on 10 points. The only, the only difference are second is only by two goal difference. They've got the same defensive record, though, you can see the three times this season. Um, and I, I just think, obviously, one in 10 man against Hearts at Tynecastle is some result. And, um, and even the quality of the goal. The pass people are spittled to find calm slightly the reverse ball in between the right centre half and then the right fullback. And then the finish to beat Xander Clark, who is a top quality goalkeeper, Scotland internationalist. Um no, I think so, so just the style of play, attacking talent, but also out of possession, well structured. You can see the willingness to to get a challenge, fight for the badge and put their body in the line. And you can see why he has been as successful since he's came in the door. And I think you can see there's a night and day between him and uh, Stevie Hamill's reign, whereas they were leaking goals left, right and centre, and they couldn't score. And even Van Veen was took a dip last season, so they've lost Van Veen this summer. And then the man that's going to replace him, Max uh, Bielrith, is um, put, got injured as well, so he's out until mid-November. So they're playing the foul, I recognise number nine, because um, I think they played... Uh, yeah, Theo Bear, who was on, who was at St Johnson last season, and he couldn't get a game at St Johnson last season. He struggled for I think he struggled for goals as well. So they've not got a prolific number nine, but they've got a, they've got a threat all over the park, and they just they keep themselves in games, and and I think he's just done a tremendous job, and that is the standout fixture for me. Um, more than one, uh, one nil against Hearts. What about you, Liam? Which match from these set results stands out to you the most? I, I would agree, and i seen a stat earlier that says he's won 40 points or so. He's, he's only second behind Celtic in terms of points um, over the last 20, 20 odd games. So um, I think for, for any team that I don't, I think it's fair to say Motherwell are, you know, not really fighting for, for third place, um, you know, fourth place. It's usually Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen. So for, for any other team in the league to lose somebody, Kevin Van Veen probably disrupted him a lot, but he's done well to cope with that. Um, Pierce talked about some of the signings that came in um, that are injured, so I think he's he's done really well. And to go to Tynecastle, it's, it's a tough place for the likes of Celtic and Rangers. Um, never mind um, other teams in the league, so I would I would go with that as well. Yeah, absolutely, I agree totally. You know, the job he's done since he's come in, it's been it's been brilliant. You know. Um, I think there's a start that I don't think they've been beaten uh, away from home since Stuart Kettlewell's become the manager. I think that's 11 away games now where they've been done beaten. 
and that's been including a trip to Celtic Park, which is you know an absolutely brilliant, uh, a brilliant record. Um, you know, it's it's just you know it's they play with a five at the back, but they're just so hard to break down, and you know, um, you know they just seem to be such a tight neck group at the moment. <clears throat> you know, they've lost Kevin Van Veen, who was a star player last season. You know, scored all them types types of goals, That's and it. I think most people. In, I think most people in Scotland thought that, um, you know, with Van Veen leaving, that Murraybell would just kind of, you know, the goals would be really, really hard to come by. But they, they just seem to be continuing on. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be any kind of, uh, you know, hangover the fact that Van Veen's left. And the job he's done is amazing. And, you know, I think Murraybell fans should be excited. I think they're going to be in for quite a, an exciting season. And, you know, definitely definitely have a good really good chance for a top six finish at least. Um but maybe not sure. I mean they're in the title race at the moment, but you know, we'll need to see what happens with that one. Um so yeah, absolutely Murray but that, that match from the weekend stands out to me the most as well. We will now move on to reacting to last weekend's English Premier League results. So I'll just quickly go through all the results uh, from last weekend. So it was Luton Town one, West Ham two, Sheffield United two Everton 2, Man City 5, Fulham 1, Chelsea 0, Nottingham Forest 1, Burnley 2, Tottenham 5, Brentford 2, Bournemouth 2, Brighton 3, Newcastle 1, Crystal Palace 3, Wolves 2, Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0, and Arsenal 3, Man United 1. So Pierce, starting off with you. Which match from these set of results stands out to you the most? Um, Burnley 2, Tottenham 5. Um, I think, obviously, the rejuvenation of, obviously, Son Min min getting a hat to the weekend as well. Um, 103 Premier League goals overtaking, like you said, Didier Drogba and, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I think he's been a fantastic seventh for the club. And I think he's seen the best of him because he displaced um, the misfire in Richarlison through the middle. And I think obviously Son's 30 31. Um, I think he's probably better playing from middle because he's comfortable in either foot. He's clinical, and you've seen that at the weekend. The first finish, exquisite dink the keeper, and then the other two just slots it in at the near post um, in, the, in the far corner with the right it opened up the, uh, the body. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player, and I think Spurs are just playing phenomenal football at the moment under Ange Postacoglu. The transition's been seamless. Um, 10 points from 12 and they're opening four games as well. And um, I think they've just been a joy to watch. It's just a breath of fresh air seeing Tottenham play with attacking midfielder, four at the back and then inverted fullbacks. And it just looks like a completely different side to the one that uh, struggled last season under Conte and then Ryan Mason and uh, Stellini as well. So, no, that's the standard fixture for me. Just uh, the fact to see Tottenham at the top of the table and everyone, it's just a feel good factor around the club at the moment. And um, it's neutral fans of the Premier League. Like, everyone is just enjoying watching the likes of like, Brighton and Spurs is now in that mix. And I think no, that's a standard fixture for me. Uh, Spurs, uh, Spurs 5, Burnley 2. Hey, what about you, Liam? Which match stands out to you the most? I would agree with that as well. <clears throat> I think there's been a lot of talk about tactics and managers getting my style across and all the rest of it up here recently and I think the way Andrew's gone down there and, and started so quickly kind of expected from, from people up here it was maybe you know people down south of a 
debating whether it was the right choice, but to see him actually go down and and start so well, I think um, watching Spurs has just been really exciting. It's different to what they've, they've had previously, really defensive styles. So I would say that. I would also say, you know, as Pierce mentioned, Brighton, that was a, a great result. Ferguson as well getting a hat-trick. Um, Forrest also had a good result. Um, but I would, I would go with Spurs if I had to pick one. Yeah, uh, I'll just say the Arsenal Man United game is my match because of the the late the the, the, the late drama in the end. You know, Man United thought they'd won the match uh, by going two one ahead, and you know they scored in what the last minute of the game, um, and then it got ruled out for offside by the narrowest of you know margins. Uh, you know, Ten Hag's debating that it was a wrong angle that used with VAR. He thought it was onside, and then a couple of minutes later, Arsenal go up and score. Uh, with their star signing Depp and Rice to make it 2-1 and then Gabriel Jesus finished the game off at 3-1 um, so just in terms of you know the drama at the end of that match because uh, I didn't think it was the greatest of matches but just in terms of what the drama happened at the end um, the Arsenal Man United game is my uh, standout match from the weekend um, so coming up next we'll be previewing Scotland's upcoming match against Cyprus so on Friday, the 8th of September, Scotland will play their fifth match of the Euro 2024 qualifiers and they will face Cyprus in the city of Larnaca. So Pierce, what is your thoughts on this upcoming Scotland match? Yeah, uh, excited. Um, obviously seeing uh, uh, Cameron McGregor back to his best form at the weekend is exciting for Scotland as well because obviously he's, a, he's the linchpin in that midfield alongside... Um, McGinn, Armstrong and McTominay um, and the likes of Billy Gilmore as well. So, exciting times and obviously we've got maximum points for the first four games and um, I think if Scotland get to 15 points it's like basically nailed on to be qualified for Euro 2024 and I think obviously going away from home, um, Scotland fans are accustomed to like, a poor result but I feel as if obviously that result in Norway uh, last time out was a, a magnificent performance on the back of beating Spain and obviously Erling Haaland and show as well and the, the Kenny McLean late, late, the two late goals was outstanding and it's it's just given Scotland a belief and like you say we've, we're barely conceding the goals and we just look so good going forward as well so I can only see a comfortable Scotland win and um, I'm sure you'll do a brilliant match report on the website I certainly will well, I hope I do um, Liam what is your thoughts on this upcoming Scotland match? Hi, I think um, it's, it's a good game to, to get back into after the break um, of going back to club football. Um, Cyprus bought me the group. Scotland in really good form at the minute. Um, there's players in there, like Pierce mentioned, getting form back with the clubs as well, with McGregor. I know the season's just started, but that's a big, big bonus, that performance at the weekend for him. Um, Liverpool in a bit of form as well with, with Robertson. Tierney's big move to to Spain. Um, he's getting plaudits for his his first game. So, um, the, the only thing I would say is that they remember Spain have got a couple of games in hand, um, and we face them again as well. So, I've no doubt Steve Clark will have the players grounded um, and not thinking too far ahead. But I think his fans as well. We we've got the the right to dream and hope, um, which I think subconsciously. Is the case, um, but I think we also need to just 
know, take it a game at a time and, and try not to get too far ahead until it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's really close for Scotland right now. You know, they're on 12 points in 12, you know, one every match so far. So it's very, very close. And, um, you know, I don't want to say it confidently, but I do think Scotland won on Friday against Cyprus, then I think that will be enough for them to qualify for um, the Euros uh, next year. You know, Steve Clark won't think that. But I think Wales, when they qualified for the Euros in 2016, I think they had 14 points was enough for them. So uh, I think, you know, Scotland will be on 15. So I, I do think it will be enough. But I, I'd say Scotland probably need two more wins um, to, to kind of really feel like, you know, they, 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 they have qualified. And, you know, the game coming on Friday, you know, um, you know, Scotland are the favourites. You know, it's going to be a tough game, you know, going to Cyprus away. I read yesterday that I think it's going to be 37 degrees on Friday when Scotland plays Cyprus, which is going to be really, really warm, obviously. Um, so um, it's going to be interesting how Scotland can cope with that. But, yeah, I think Scotland will win. Um, and, yeah, I think that'll be enough for them to qualify for the Euros next year. Um, so coming up next, we'll be discussing the end to this summer transfer window. So on Saturday, the 2nd of September, the transfer window officially closed for the majority of leagues around Europe. So, Pierce, um, what are your overall thoughts about this year's summer transfer window? I think we've seen some mad transfers in terms of like the Saudi League and obviously the Barclay Premier League and some young players signing long-term contracts at Chelsea for massive fees and obviously Declan Rice eventually his big move. But um, I think the summer transfer window has been, been pretty good in terms of so many massive signings like, and ones you don't expect. Like, for instance, like... like Liverpool's full midfield um, went to the Saudi Pro League and obviously Karim Benzema current Ballon d'Or winner is in the Saudi Pro League as well leaving Real Madrid after uh, is it 12 years um, so no some, some crazy transfers but um, exciting nonetheless Yeah what about you Liam what's your thoughts I just like Pierre said there's been a lot of money spent and players moving across um, and getting all the headlines this uh, this window and that's me only talking about Chelsea but the Saudi League are, are really ramping it up as well with the, the money spending um, I think there, there has been really good signings for, for Liverpool considering they, they missed out on the big money ones to get um, McAllister as well but for what I would say this market's pretty cheap it's good business um, for me the the biggest impact signing I've seen since the window shut or since the move was made even is Bellingham at Real Madrid and I'm a I'm a Barca fan so it pains me to say it but for him to go in there and replace Benzema and he's you know four or five games in he's he's become their main man in such a short space of time so I would need to look at that as, as my best if I had to pick Yeah um, yeah it's been a mad window it's been a very different window compared to our ones, you know, with lots of players kind of leaving to go to different kind of continents. You know, this window we saw uh, Messi leave Europe um, to go to into Miami, so his kind of European football adventures kind of over. We've also seen Neymar leave European football 
Benzema as well. So we've seen lots of top, top football stars leaving European football this summer. Um, you know, and the money that's that's getting spent is, you know, it's just grown year on year. And, you know, the fact that Chelsea have, in the last couple of years, have spent over a billion pounds on transfer signings is, it kind of says a lot about the way transfer, the, the transfer market is at the moment, you know, whereabouts it is, you know, the, the market is just so over, overinflated. So, yeah, uh, it's been a very, very different summer transfer window. Um just for so many reasons. Um, so, just finally, Pierce, who's your sign of the window? Well, I'm going to go for um, Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. I think that was the, the big marquee signing um, of this window. And obviously, the England captain leaving the Barkers Premier League, and it felt as if it was never ever going to happen because obviously the, the field moved two years ago to Manchester City. Um, but the fact is, it hasn't weakened Tottenham because Tottenham have got a brilliant run as we've just touched on and I think Kane just fits in seamlessly to that side. I think Barbie did pay over the odds a little bit because obviously Daniel Levy doesn't want to lose his key man for, for cheap and we all know he's a shrewd negotiator um, but I feel as if he is like the Lewandowski replacement because last season he struggled and I think this season he started all he started pretty pretty well get three goals he's opening uh, four or five games um, and I think he will be the difference maker for them in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League. And I think he gives them a massive opportunity to be to go on and uh, lift the trophy. Yeah, I agree. That's my sign in the window. Um, because me and you have talked about this on the podcast quite a lot over the summer about where it's going to happen, where it's not going to happen, and the fact that it did happen. You know, in a way, it kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, it's I don't think it's ever happened. The England captain leaving to go to German football. You know, England to Germany are quite there's quite a rivalry there. Um, but for the Bundesliga, it's such a massive signing. You know, they don't really sign these not often do they sign these top top kind of football players. Um, you know, um, but the fact that Harry Kane's went to Bayern Munich, um, you know, it's it's really good for the Bundesliga. Um, and as you said, you know, probably the best replacement they could get for Lewandowski. Um, just in terms of how prolific a goal scorer Harry Kane is, and it it strengthens Bayern Munich really, really. I mean, it makes them really strong, and yeah, I think it. I think it's about signing. And Liam said about Jude Bellingham. Uh, I have to touch on him just because of the impact he's made. I mean, he's turned into a goal scorer. I mean, it's quite amazing the amount of goals he scored so far for Real Madrid in the short space of time. Um, but my signing of the window just to finish it up, finish it off is Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. Um, so, for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so we're going to start off with some uh, G League One action. Um, so, this is match day 26 of out of 34. Um, so, only eight matches left, so it's exciting uh, into the season. So, on Saturday, the 2nd of September, we had Poikido, Contador, Sapporo 4, Gambo, Saka 0, uh, Nagoya Grampus 1, Yokohama FC 1, uh, Albert's Nagata 1, Ura Red Diamonds 1. Seniors Osaka 3, Kawasaki Frontale 0. And then the shock result of the weekend is uh, Kawashi Racel 2, Yokohama F Mariners 0, um, Sagan 2 0, San Fetch Hiroshima 2, Shonan Bermer 2, uh, Kawashi Anders 2. And then Saturday, the 3rd of September, the last two matches of the weekend, we had FC Tokyo 1, Abisba Fukuoka 2, and then Vassel Kobe 2, Kyoto Sanga 1. So that's leaving the table looking like this. So now, 
At the top of the table is Vassell Kobe, who have now overtaken Joe Kermit F. Marners, who have now slipped up the last two or three weekends. And uh, they had a comfortable three, four point lead. Now that's just been evaporated. Um, and then you've, so you've got them on 52 points. In second place, we've got Joe Kermit F. Marners on 50. And then we've got closely behind them, Lugo Grampus in third with 46. And then fourth and fifth, respectively, Cerezo Saka and Uri Diamonds on 45 points. So we've got five teams separated by seven points, and it's uh, only eight games remaining. So it's, it's the title charge is uh, exciting in the Japanese league. And at the bottom of the table, uh, we've got Shona Bermier on 18 points. We're starting to be cut adrift a little bit, and uh, they look certain to go down. And uh, slightly just above them uh, is a uh, 17 person, Yokama FC on 22 points, and Kelsey Reso on 23 points. So in terms of the K-League, um, so this is match day 29 out of 33. So we've only got four matches left after an international break. Um, and uh, I think Ulsan Hyundai have been in kind of party season because they've just kind of been slipping up recently. But um, we start off with Friday night action. Um, so we had Friday the 1st of September, Dejan Hanna Citizen, nil. Sun FC, one. Daegu FC, one. Gamble FC, nil. And I've got a match report on the Football Trigger website, so we'll check that out. Um, on Saturday, the 2nd of September, we Sue 1, Samson Blue Wings 0, FC Sue 1, Inter United 0, Plank Steelers 2, and then Sunday, the 3rd of September, we had Ulsan Hyundai 0, Guam GFC 2, and then Jeju United 0, Jumbo Hyundai Motors 0. So at the top of the table, we've got Ulsan Hyundai, I just touched on, uh, 61 points. At one point, they were 16 points ahead. Um, now the leads will be cut down to 8 points. Uh, Plank Steelers have been consistently picking up points, and then obviously... So they're eight points binding, 53 points. In the third position, we've got Guangzhou FC, who have now overtaken FC Seoul and have been a surprise package this season, considering they've only just been promoted from the Key League 2. Um, and some of the football we've been playing has been outstanding. And in fourth and fifth position, we've got FC Seoul and Junbuk Hyundai Motors on 43 points. And at the bottom of the table, it's just as tight. Um, we've got two teams kind of cut adrift a little bit. We've got Gamble FC, rock bottom of the table on 21 points. And then 11th position, we've got Suwon, Samson, Bluewinds on 22 points. And then the Suwon counterpart, we've got them on 10th position with 29 points. So it looks as if Suwon, Samson, Bluewinds and Gangwon FC are destined to go down um, with only four matches remaining, but it's set for a throw into the season in the, in the Korean uh, First League. So in terms of some Asian football news, um, so Red Star Belgrade uh, and as known as English media, but it's also known as Schwerder, have uh, signed Olympiakos South Korean midfielder Hwang Imbong uh, after a conflict with, with his club over a contract issue due to a lack of payment. So they've put him up for sale and he's now signed um, for a club record fee of €5 million. Euros, um, which is Hwang 26 joins Red Star Belgrade on a four-year contract from Olympiakos. So I think that's a, a brilliant signing um, as he's a talented midfielder who can play in a variety of uh, positions. And obviously, massive news coming out of uh, G League One. Um, Juan Mata has signed for Vassell Kobe. Mata, 35, is set to follow in the footsteps of his fellow World Cup winner, Andres Iniesta, uh, after rejecting offers from Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates. Another ex-colleague, David Villa, spent a fruitful year in the back with the club back in 2019. Uh, Matt has moved to Vassell Kobe reflects a growing trend of established football stars exploring new horizons and leagues outside of Europe. 
uh, drawn not only by the competitive football but also by the unique cultural experiences. Um, Mata will make his debut on the 16th of September against Santrichi Hiroshima away from home after the national break. Um, massive signing and he will help his sides title aspirations with his side now just at the top of the table having overcome Yokave F. Marnos. Um, he'll no doubt add lots of experience and that winning mentality and also the quality in the final third, which uh, the side have been lacking in the last couple of weeks. So the former Valencia, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Manchester United, and most recently Galatasaray star, still has plenty to offer. And even at 35, I, I feel as if you will light up the J League 1 and will love the culture of Japan. So Michael Kim is resigning from his position as national team head coach of South Korea after five years. Uh, Jürgen Klinsmann asked him to change his position to a scout in order to bring in a new coach and Kim eventually decided to resign. So Klinsman has now appointed former Celtic defender Chad Ree as a full-time coach, having previously worked as an advisor for the national team. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And also, thank you, Liam, for coming on to the podcast. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Sugar Podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Trugu YouTube channel and also the Football Trugu website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.